everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Stationary Freaks podcast with myself, Rob Lambert, and of course, Helen. Oh, with me, Helen Lazowski. We have a special guest as well today, don't we? Her name is Summer. Hi, Summer. Hello. Hi, everyone. Excellent. We'll introduce you in a minute, but what we always do is we start with stationary stories, and we're hoping that you've got one as well, Sana and um, Helen. No doubt you've probably got one. Do you want to kick off, Helen? What's your stationary story? I will kick off. Mine's going to be really short because I actually think there's a whole podcast in this alone. So I, as you know, am a bullet journaling cultist, I think is the best word to put it, um, but I'm leaving this cult for another. So I have just bought Hobonichi Cousins. And it's a whole thing. And I don't think I had really appreciated it. I've been down a deep rabbit hole on Pinterest, which has not made me feel good. Um, and yeah, so that is what I've bought this week. And obviously a few stickers to go in it because, you know, it's me. But at the same time, I think we should probably talk about this. I, I think possibly therapy would be a good thing. <laughs> oh, dear. It's come that far. <laughs> oh, I just can't see a cult and not join it for stationery. It's ridiculous. How about you, Rob? What have you bought? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really bought anything, actually. Well, well two, two minor things. Firstly, I, I post off these zines that I sell, and I like to do a little hand-typed, or hand-typed, that's a bit of a, a weird sentence, but I like to do on my typewriter a little personalized custom message to everybody that buys a copy. And I realized I'd run out of ink, and I was like, how's that possible? I've got a new ribbon on this. And the ribbon wasn't turning. It's supposed to move every time you type so that it you know, refreshes yeah. the ink. So I fixed that. That's my stationary story. And that is a complete low light of my life, really, if that's my highlight. Um, but the second thing is sellotape. It's oh. an undersung hero of the stationary <laughs> world. And I've got this tiny little tape dispenser with small little tape on it. And it just wasn't cutting it. So I've uh, bought myself a bigger one with a bigger roll of sellotape. Complete oh. unsung hero in the stationary world. It's so good for almost everything. Well, you know how I feel about paper clips. I'm very much the same with paper clips. They're just like great for everything. Sellotape's another one. Yeah, yeah. You, you just don't appreciate it. You just reach for it. You don't realize the power oh, this have, thing has. I have a cat. I appreciate sellotape, believe me. <laughs> I assume that's for collecting cat hairs off furniture, not for sticking well, it to the cat. She does like to be on screen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so our special guest, Sana, how about you? What's your stationary story? Well, it's a lovely one, actually. I recently um, got treated to a weekend away by my husband, and we ended up in a town called Zwolle. And it has a bookstore in a church, one of those refurbished kind of things. And one of the things they had was like a whole floor of stationery. And I really went to town on notebooks. Wow. Nice. Nice. So I, I got the Leichterm. I've got a paper blank new ones. I've basically got enough new... Uh, journals now for about the next five years but uh, I, I really enjoyed that <laughs> you know what you know we, we talk about that very often on this show don't we just how many notebooks and journals we've got that we just don't use <laughs> just sort of stacked up <laughs> ready for that potential to be released that's an awesome story so whilst you've got the microphone why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and um, yeah tell us a little bit about where you are you know what you're up to and who you are Right, so my name is Sonne Visser. I live in the Netherlands with my husband and two kids. 
And uh, that also means I do bike a lot. Like most Dutch people, I have two bicycles. We have more bicycles than people in this country. Um, I work in tech. I do bullet journal as well. So I'm interested, Helen, in where you've gone off to. Um, And the other thing I really want to talk about today is something I've been doing for a couple of years, which is uh, kind of like adult coloring, mandalas and, and zen tangles. And all that kind of thing that comes with its own set of pens and colors and structure and good paper becomes quite essential as well. So that's another thing that I've really enjoyed over the past few years. I actually uh, watch a YouTube channel about a guy that does magnet fishing. Have you seen this where you throw a magnet <laughs> on a rope into a river and you pull stuff out? Yeah, he does that in the canals here, doesn't he? And he pulls he out a bicycle every time. Yeah. I was just going to say every time it's always a bike, you know, occasionally it gets a safe and, you know, that's kind of cool. But yeah, the amount of bikes that get pulled out of the uh, canals is is quite tremendous, really. <laughs> and, and, you know, the muni- municipalities do dredge them quite regularly. And I live in a city where there are particularly a lot of canals. So it is an actual risk uh, if you don't, you know, park your bike properly. It will sometimes sort of shift. And especially now we're having the storm with the windy days. It is an actual risk to have it fall into a canal. <laughs> it's not <laughs> weird. <laughs> as long as you're not on it at the time, that's, uh, I suppose, a blessing. That happens too, but that tends to uh, happen with some inebriation that uh, <laughs> also occurs. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. All right. So have you always been a stationary freak then? I, looking back on it, like when I started listening to your podcast, I started to understand that I probably have been. Um, I got a box of old stuff from my parents recently, and there's a bunch of notebooks in there as well, where I'd done some odd stuff. Like I, I put stickers on and sort of labeled each and every one of them, what I thought they were looking like or emotionally showing me weirdly enough. So there was like a whole ton of drawings and, and scribbles and mostly halfway filled notebooks, which is still a, a oh, bad habit. Yeah, we all do that too. <laughs> So I must have been from very uh, young age, but not been very aware of it yeah. until now. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that we, we talk a lot on this podcast about is the potential that stationery gives you, you know, for, for us, really, when you think about a notebook, it's a potential to be a new bullet journal or a journal or, you know, have that seed of an idea that's going to take your career to the next level. Um, I'm intrigued by the, the the old, was it a library that you visited recently with your husband? Yeah, so it's uh, something of a tradition in the Netherlands, uh, these older buildings that are no longer serving the original function. So particularly churches, but it will also be old fire stations and things like that. Uh, will get refurbished, and it was just beautiful. They'd kept the entire inside of the church intact, so it had all the you know, stained glass, it had all the original, the organ was still in it, and they'd very cleverly built on the inside a whole four-story bookshop uh, with on the ground floor entirely stationary. So that was just beautiful. Oh, imagine I'm just picturing it now it sounds amazing it does sound amazing I mean I went to a library for a little retreat thing um but yeah they didn't sell stationery, and I think that's a they're missing a trick there to be honest <laughs> although although we we recorded that episode last week it's not gone live yet I'm still there's a backlog <laughs> <laughs> there's a backlog of editing um but you were saying that actually at that library Helen that um and it what was the library called again it was Gladstone's Library. It's Gladstone. up in uh, the very, very northern tip of um, Wales in the UK. Yeah, 
But you you were saying most people there were just on laptops. You were the you know the only freak there. I know. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, yeah, it was really surprising. Uh, but I won't spoil. Uh, I won't go over that again because by the time people are listening to this podcast, they will have heard that. So you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just I was just wondering. You know, you mentioned you bought a fair few notebooks. What do you use them for? Do you yeah. see that sort of same potential that that me and Helen do when you see you know a beautiful design notebook and you've just got this kind of this sort of vision of what you're going to use that thing for do you use them for specific purposes or just general notes and what's that potential you're looking to release i do use them for specific purposes mostly that it's just the like the day-to-day workbook that i always have with me uh that gets completely stuffed full of notes but i do have when I buy them, I don't have a specific goal for them. I just buy them because I like them and I like the feel or the look or the color. Um, I also don't like too many patterns on them because I do decorate them myself, which is part of that Zentangle thing. So another purpose I'll have notebooks specifically for, I'll have smaller ones for events that I attend. And I'll bring like a a soft cover, small notebook with me that's just dedicated to that moment in time. And I keep all those notes together. But then there's the work notebook and there's one which I um, kind of keep as as sort of the book of wisdom, which comes from this this stoic idea that you build your own kind of stoic uh, philosophy quotes, learnings book. So I translate some of the stuff from there. Uh, with the stoic writing exercises. So that's a specific one I've had for years and that's supposed to be with me for life. Uh, so that one I spent a lot of time picking out. That's really oh. nice. I, I did put one of those together actually for my daughter, um, but I didn't spend any time picking it out at all and I really regret it. Oh so dear. I put all this work into a little booklet that is um, just really not very pretty on the outside. So it needs some work. I wish I'd mm. taken more time, Sana. <laughs> yeah, so that's the other thing. I've been decorating one of these notebooks in preparation of sort of starting the new year because I do have a tradition that regardless of where I am in my current notebook, the new year gets begun in a fresh one, always. Oh, that's yes. nice. I'm the same, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, doesn't awesome. matter, it doesn't matter how much time I've got left in, or how much space I've got left in my nope. notebook. New year, new book. Yeah. New beginnings. Yeah. Yep. Love and I'm it. very tempted to start one a bit earlier right now because there's a lot of transitions going on in my life. There's a reorg at work. I'm probably going to switch assignments. Uh, so there's so many new things coming up a little bit sooner than the year end. I'm very tempted to <laughs> start it a little early because there's so many fresh starts coming up really quickly soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted, but mine's just an impatience. I just want to <laughs> try the new thing. <laughs> I, I I start them and then go back to the old ones still, so I end up with about three or four in, in process at the same time. But I'm I'm intrigued by the uh, the sort of stoic um, book that you mentioned there. Um, I I refer to them as a commonplace book, and I've got one that a friend of ours actually, Helen Rear, bought me. Yeah. A Ted Baker notebook, and it's full of all the wisdom, quotes, thoughts, ideas, you know, ways to be better as a, an individual. Mm-hmm. And myself and Helen are you know big fans of the Stoics and we've done a few episodes on that in the past do you revert back to that notebook to reread anything or is it a sort of in the moment capture it move on or is it is it a guide for your life so to speak 
It is more of a very pretty, incredibly embellished um, set of books. It's it's much closer to like an art portfolio than it is to an actual notebook because the work and the working through the quotes and getting to my own versions of those uh, ideas, that's done in, in like the messy notebook, right? The, the daily one. Uh, this sort of book of wisdom for myself is very much uh, something that I spent a lot of time on, but it it happens in blocks. Like it's, it's when I'm passionate about doing it and spending the time and having the creative energy to do so. So it's very ad hoc, but then I will make usually more than one page. I'll add quite a lot of that work into it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very time consuming, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, it's that synthesis of of your information and knowledge and your own thoughts, isn't it? And that that is a time consuming exercise. I think a lot of people try to shortcut that really. Um, so I yeah, sounds like a, a worthy use of time and energy. When we were connecting about doing this call, you mentioned that you do something called Zentangle and mm-hmm. you do something called mandala coloring. I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of either of those before you mentioned it. So, Not would I. Yeah, I haven't heard of them either. So, <laughs> so I did a, a quick Google, of course, to understand what they were. And uh, they they strike me as almost like mosaic sort of geometric art. Is, right. is that a fair representation? Do you want to explain what they are? So I've been probably addicted to symmetry for all my life. And this is a form of like drawing that really uh, attracts to that kind of thinking because yes, Zentangled are patterns. They're uh, patterns that are castellated so they'll fit into each other uh, and will be able to continue uh, like endlessly. The other thing about Zentangles is typically they're one color. So they really are good for just doodling through meetings. It's one thing I use to actively listen. Um, and the mandalas, of course, are circular, but that means they're either a sixteenth, an eighth, or a quarter that repeats. And that's another thing that I find incredibly soothing to sort of spot that pattern and, you know, design my color choices around those kind of uh, symmetries in the circular design. I think that's really, really interesting. Actually, I, looking back at old notebooks that I had before, before I realized I was a stationary freak, and before I. Um, really uh, before I started bullet journaling or anything like that I used to doodle in all my notebooks for work and it was a way of pictorializing what I was doing and what I used to do was repetitive pictures over and over and I still find myself doing that little corners of my notebooks have got these repetitive squares within squares within squares like overlapped things and it was as soon as I looked up Zentangle I went oh there's a thing that I do I don't do it anywhere near as beautifully as I'm sure you do but I it was really interesting because I like that repeating stuff too. Yeah, I find it very soothing. And honestly, the other thing of it is my hobbies tend to complement another hobby, which is I read a lot and mostly in audio format. So all of my hobbies kind of leave my hands free while I'm listening to something. So that's also why I knit, honestly. And it's where the coloring came in to be very soothing as well. It's something to do with your hands that's very repetitive, very mindless, so that you can also still spend that brain energy listening to podcasts or books. So there's another sort of symbiotic relationship between these two hobbies that really combine into me really enjoying the simplicity of the doodles sometimes. It doesn't have to get complicated. It just has to occupy enough of the brain space that it keeps my hands busy. 
Yeah, I used to do it when you were saying about active listening. When I'm uh, listening to a meeting and I'm not expected to participate as in speak, um, I will be doodling whilst I'm thinking about what's being said. And I find it really useful to have something to do with my hands. And honestly, these days, it's almost the only way for me to actively single task and listen. Um, Because anytime I try to do that with my hands on a keyboard or a mouse, I click away, I click out, I, I stop listening to what's being said so the the pen on paper is at this point really almost a crutch as well that's scary if you think about how distracted i must be on every other moment of the day but it is the only way now that i can still do it which is also interesting yeah Yeah, it makes perfect sense and i I think uh, if i can dig it out i'll include the article in the show notes but i think there was a, a little bit of science done about um, people believe that if you're doodling and drawing and sketching whilst you're listening, that you're not listening, but actually the reverse is true. That actually is a way of, um, like you say, I guess, separating out those different audio from, you know, your brain and your hands so that you are actually focused on what's been said. And there was a bit of a study done on what you draw can often represent what it is that you're thinking in that moment. And I remember reading this. I don't know whether this was scientific or whether someone had just made this up. But if you draw blocks, which is what I draw uh, sometimes, is little blocks, that's a sign that you want to escape from the meeting or the thing that you're talking about. <laughs> oh, no, I don't believe that. That's going to be like the whole thing of if you look away on to the right, you're thinking of lying or whatever. It's all rubbish, that. I just, you no, think, I'm not having that, Rob. Oh, Helen, don't, don't, don't destroy don't my... Uh, <laughs> I, I draw zigzags, so what does that mean? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll have to dig out the article and see if there was any any science behind Any it science well. in that book, yeah. <laughs> okay, Zentangle Mandala, you also do adult coloring books as well. How I yeah. do this, and I often do this with my kids, so my, we often sometimes share one if it's big enough to sort of, he can work on one side, I can work on the other, or he'll get his coloring books out and he'll do it. I didn't realize how soothing and calming adult coloring could be until I started to do this and it's phenomenal at just taking you away from the stress and the drama and the busyness is is that why you do it I think it might have started out that way my kids do color as well and we also have those like combined you do one half I do the other but actually the ones I really really like are the ones you can get at museums and it's the one thing I always hunt for in a museum shop because they'll have a painting that they'll cut up into Uh, actual drawings that you can color in and I really like those because I feel like and it it does take years I don't think I've completed one yet but like each drawing is beautiful on its own and it's a detail of a painting that you then of course very closely look at by coloring it in and at the end you can probably like collage them into your own version of that painting and that's something I'm still looking forward to that is a particular favorite of mine wow really, really interesting I used to I I can't get on with adult colouring and I feel that I'm missing out. When I was a child, a a friend of mine used to be given for Christmas or her birthday, I forget which, uh, one of these big colouring posters. Mm. And we would both sort of hunch over this and, I mean, it's very, very detailed and we would just colour away at it for weeks. You know, it took ages and ages and ages. Um, And again, I don't know that we ever finished one, but every year we'd start a new one and we'd work on it together. And I loved loved doing it but I had never got back into it as an adult and I'm really interested as to why of all the things you'd think that would be me right 
You've just reminded me of a Christmas tradition we have, which I didn't realize until right now is is completely in line with all this other stuff. But we get a tablecloth that you can color in. Oh, yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. And we spend the weeks from like Christmas break on till like, of course, the, the school starts again for the kids. So that's about two weeks where we as a family are constantly, but at different moments, coloring our own table. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, I it's, love it's very similar. So maybe that's something for you, Alan, to get yeah. one of those sort of uh, color in tablecloths for the holidays. I'd love. Uh, yeah, we need some links for those. I think. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely need some links for those. But do you remember the paint by numbers that you used to get? And oh yeah, yeah, all the pots were obviously corresponding to a number, and they were really popular. They're still, you can still get them, but they were super popular when I was a kid. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed those. So we've covered the Zentangle, the mandala coloring, the adult coloring books. Now I think we need to understand what pens, pencils, implements you use, because I find this particular part of a discussion very interesting. Why hmm. do you choose what you choose? Well, and also, can I just tag on to the end of that, that Sina, you're actually much more on the artistic end than the information processing end. So it means that I'm super interested in what pencils and pens you use for that part of it, because I don't have any frame of reference for those. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so maybe to begin with, I think one that a lot of people will know that the Posca markers. Oh, yeah. Are you yeah. familiar with them? I am. Yeah. So for me, that's a recent discovery, and it's become now my default to embellish the outside of notebooks. So that's uh, what I'm currently using them for. I'm still kind of figuring them out. I'm keeping them like monotone, so one color, one background color, uh, which is, again, very Zantangle kind of uh, construction. So I really am loving those because they stick really well. I'm very tempted currently to... Um, sort of bedazzle my keyboard with the Posca markers. <laughs> but I'm worried that, that there's too much friction and they will rub off, but I'm very, very tempted at the moment. <laughs> so they, they, they're an amazing thing. They're very expensive, aren't they? They can be extremely pricey. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, there's alternatives to it. And um, I follow, and we talk about this, and we've talked about this guy for the last three or four episodes, I think, but Van Neistat. Yes, Helen, we're back with Van Neistat. Oh, you're a bit of a fanboy, Robert. I am. I'm a big fanboy of his, yeah. And he marks everything. So almost everything he owns, he writes his name on it so that nobody steals it. Uh, and um, he uses, I don't think he uses the the Posca markers, but that sort of idea of being able to mark up whatever you want. And where do you stop? Is it keyboards, phones, you know? I guess, yeah, yeah you get addicted to it. Just Everything's got my name on it by the end of the day. And so one of the other ones, I think, is the sort of the fine liners. Those are really important, um, especially for like the really tiny mandalas that have really small sort of areas you want to add color to. So I have like a whole bunch of fine liners. And I think I've tried out most major brands like Brownzill and Stedler and also have just basic ones from like the supermarket and it's just, it's very different how much ink saturation you get or like what tints you'll get. Like sometimes it's even worth getting the cheap ones because they'll just saturate really well because the ink flows a little bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I and then there's, which yeah. Which best actually, which ones you prefer. But actually it depends on what you're doing from the sound of it. It really does. And it's also just that there's usually about 56 colors in a set. 
and every set will have its own slight variation. So it's worth getting more than one because you'll get like six or seven blues in one of the sets, but then the six or seven that's in another brand will be slightly different blue tints. And that can be really worth it if that's kind of the contrast you want to get. But if you get really fancy, you do have these beautiful uh, sort of micro pens, like the micron lines. Um okay. And the benefit of those is they don't bleed at all. So they can get wet, which uh, I do take my coloring books to the pool sometimes. And then that's my preferred pen to have on hand because it doesn't bleed. (laughs) Nice. But surely surely the paper gets wet there, doesn't it? It does. And then it's just something I accept. So those pages indeed are a little wrinkly and they're (laughs) obviously very well loved. And it's just... I'm not going to leave the coloring book at home just for the sake of like being scared not to get it wet. But yeah. it, it is the non-fancy mandala book that then joins me. Like the one I also let my kids color in. It should be thought of as differently charming, I think, Sona. It's charming in its own right. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So do you do much with ink pens? You know, Helen's a big fan of ink pens. Uh, I've got a couple, but I think Helen's building her collection. Oh, I'm trying Um, to restrain myself. Yeah, it's not working though, is it? It's not working well, no. (laughs) (laughs) So do you you use many ink pens or or is your sort of everyday writer a little bit different? What's your your general notebooking write? My general notebooky one is is like a Parker ballpoint and I have a lot of these friction erasables. Uh, I really like those because they do come in like a whole range of colors. And I love the fact that they're uh, erasable because that allows you to do a bit of trickery with some of these designs or doodles. Um, I enjoy those a lot. And I have both versions of the friction ones, the clickable ones and the ones that are just the basic pens. And yeah, so like the workhorse is, again, very much just a workhorse again and not fancy at all. Yeah, absolutely. My son got uh, bought some of those erasables for Christmas, actually. And um, that was the first time I've ever used them. And they're, they're fabulous. Really good. They actually write really well as well. So, yeah. See, I'm not a fan. I, those those friction ones, I'm just not a fan. And it's because I don't like the way the ink goes on in the first place. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you can rub them off is great. But the ink going on in the first place, I, I it's not smooth. <laughs> That's why the ballpoint is the the standard one. And the friction ones are more for like the, I don't know, the doodles, I guess, would be the better description. Like I I don't need a pen to be erasable, quite honestly. I have no problem just scratching stuff out and, you know, crossing things off. That's fine. I don't need to erase mistakes. But every now and again, it is useful to kind of like if, especially if I've sort of used my bullet notation system a bit wrong and I just want to quickly correct it, then it's useful. So there's that. But the saturation is very low. I agree with you, Helen. It's just the ink is a little weird. Although some of the colors, again, are better than others, but like the basic black really sucks. Yeah. And I use, I do tend to gravitate towards black. I mean, I go through phases where I'm using color, Mm -hmm. um, but I find it gets much messier, much more quickly in color than it seems to in black. My brain can filter out the mess in in the black much better than it can with the color. There's actually an amazing use case for friction pens, which I don't use myself, but my mom does. Uh, So she sews a lot. And one of the great things is because it is thermal ink is she can mark up her fabric using these pens. 
and it's much better than the chalk. It works easier. And then as soon as you iron it, it removes all pen markings from your sewing. So that might be a tip for wow. someone out there. That's a great <laughs> sort of variant that I never thought of that is just brilliant, honestly. Well, we're at the sort of 30 minute mark and we've still got the desert island stuff to go, which is wow. a regular that we like to have with every guest on the show. But before we jump into that, is there anything else that you wanted to chat about today, Sana? I think just a final hat tip to uh, the jewel brush pens that have a fine liner on one end and a brush tip on the other. Oh, so you're that's talking an... my, my language now, so that actually <laughs> very much in love with those. Those, of course, are used a lot by bullet journalers, which <laughs> I assume is why Helen's a fan. But they're also great for the mandalas because you do sometimes have big blocks you want to color in and a lot of tiny squiggly bits as well. So they're awesome. Absolutely. So Helen, you, you might not need those anymore. Uh, now you've moved to your hobby. Well, we need to talk about that, but we can talk about that another time. I, I, I have, I'm actually slightly fearful of what I've done. I, I've got that, oh, what have you done kind of feeling at the moment. You've broken yourself, Helen. <laughs> I'm so curious now. I'll have to listen next time. <laughs> well, we, we've got another guest next week, haven't we? And then... Yeah. The week after, maybe we can squeeze that one in, but we've also got some Christmas goodies uh, coming for everybody as well. Don't forget to follow along on Stationary Freaks UK on Instagram, and we'll uh, keep you posted on what's happening, and obviously there'll be a newsletter. So, Stationary, on a desert island, you're stuck there, you're only allowed five things, what are you going to take with you? I wanted to go really big here and just say like a printing press, like a whole, a whole oh, thing. <laughs> you cool. think like Rob, you do. He, he had some brilliant ideas. <laughs> uh, but if it's a bit smaller, I think it would definitely be some good colored, like fat-based chalk because that will stick kind of a survival thing as well. You can mark things that'll stay marked and I can pathfind my way around this desert island a bit. Yeah. So there's a practical one I think I'd take. Nice. <laughs> I like that one. Fat-based chalk. I've never, I didn't know you could get it in different materials, I guess. Yeah, so this again, I think I learned from my kids. It's particularly tough to get out of anything and it sticks to most <laughs> surfaces like mad. I think that would be awesome. And just... I, I, I still want to have a notebook, like a big one. I can still jot things down, even though at some point that'll run out and you'll have nothing. I think I'd still want to bring one. And I, yeah, what else would be really useful? What, what about the notebook? What what type would you be going for? Like big A4 or a you know, slightly smaller one? Any particular brand that you've got your eye on? At this point on a desert island, I'd be maximizing like the, the biggest, probably A4 or slightly bigger and with as many pages as I could get in there. <laughs> they do some quite quite big chunky ones now. So. Big chunky ones, yeah, yeah. They're not going to skimp on the notebook if I'm on a desert island, honestly. But do you care about the paper inside? I mean, because I mean, you know, the GSM on the paper makes all the difference in the world. It does to me. To me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it just has to be good enough that like the ballpoint can can not punch through a bit but other than that I don't think I'd be too fussy I'm too much of a pragmatist I think to to be that fussed about it at that point I think I find it more important to sort of have something that'll also keep writing uh, that won't run out of ink <laughs> I'm trying to think what that would be 
Well, you see, I, I opted for a pencil for that very reason. Uh, in fact, it was a multi-pack. I think was it a hundred pencils actually, Helen. I think I what? cheated on the on the. <laughs> that would last you quite a while. Well, yeah. and he had the foresight to actually take a pencil sharpener as well, which I was particularly aggrieved by because I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Can't be an electric pencil sharpener then, though, can it? No, no. <laughs> All right, so so far we've got two. We've got your fat-based chalk, and then we've got a notebook, biggest possible. I'm thinking flip charts there, but you know it's probably going a bit too, a bit too extreme. I think maybe some sort of uh, like bits and bobs to to mark things. I think I'd probably end up like making a bit of a garden and want to have some of these plastified things. So maybe a permanent marker and some uh, sort of cards that I can stick up to say what I planted and what's growing where and again some some direction finding and noting for myself what I put on places to ensure my survival on this desert island oh that's cool that's cool I hadn't thought about that no we didn't we didn't plan for our survival very well at all did we Rob oh duct tape for sure duct tape genius yeah yeah of course duct tape so that's four do water bottles count as stationary? Because I almost feel they fall in the same category sometimes because you do combine them as well. Like It's something I always have with me, the water bottle, the notebook, the pen. But I don't think it counts, does it? Well, I don't know. I, I kind of am a bit with you because it's kind of like desktop stuff, isn't it? Yeah. So I can yeah. see what you're saying because I have this argument about hand cream. Does hand cream count as stationary? It so lives on my oh, desk, yeah. I know, right? So I'm kind of a bit with you there, Sana. You know but my I think... view. You know my view on that one. I think I think the hand cream is just weird, Helen. How can that be stationary? <laughs> <laughs> it's hand cream. I it's, you could, you it's could... sat right next to my stamps and and stapler and yeah. and notebook and cello tape. Honestly, it's it sat right there. Maybe, so... maybe, maybe listeners, if you're listening to this, does hand cream count as stationary? And water think... bottles. Well, you know. The water bottle, I think, is a bit different, really, because there's a, a famous brand in the UK. I don't know whether they're, they're international, called Smiggle, and they sell kids' stationery boxes and lunch boxes and stuff. And they always have lots of water bottles next to all the pencil cases. And almost every stationery shop in the UK sells water bottles. But I don't think I've ever seen any of them selling hand cream. Oh, <laughs> well, that could be the deciding factor. It's a missed <laughs> opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going for a water bottle as number five, and that could be a contentious point. We'll let our listeners uh, decide. We'll let them decide. (laughs) Stationary. That's cool. That's cool. So we've got chalk, you've got notebook, you've got your permanent marker and your cards, you've got duct tape. That's a gold, that one. You know, duct tape's useful for everything, really, isn't it? Mm. And you've got a water bottle. I like it. Sounds like you'll be quite comfortable on a desert island. Uh, We'll see. I don't have any books, so I'm in trouble either way. Oh, you write your own. You've got loads of true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Did you take a book, Helen, when, when we did the episode? I don't think I did. I think I, I can't did. remember what my, my I can't remember what my five were. I'll have to look it up now. Yeah, we'll have to dig mm. them out. We'll have to I them wrote out. them down in an older notebook, Rob, unsurprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the joys of analogue and the downsides of analogue. So. <laughs> but we have a digital record of it in the podcast, don't we? So we should yeah. just listen to it again. All right, cool. That's been really entertaining. Absolutely loved that chat today. Thank you, Sana. And um, where can people find you? Because you also do a podcast, don't you? I don't do a regular podcast, but I'm frequently a guest on Testing Peers. 
I am on YouTube with nine out of 10 testers every month. You can find us there under the numbers nine out of 10 testers. And then there's uh, me on LinkedIn, which you can find under tech sonatized, which uh, will lead you right to my profile. I'm there the most, honestly. Cool. Well, we'll include all of those links in the show notes. And I have thoroughly enjoyed that chat. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. No worries. Any final thoughts or anything from anyone? Helen? Well, I feel the need to go and deep dive into Zentangle, actually. So I'm off to go and have a play. Yeah. So final note for anyone on Zentangle or Mandala Journeys. um, Embrace very much the Bob Ross happy accident factor because it's symmetrical. And at some point you will flub the symmetry. That's fine. Just accept it. Move on. <laughs> like it. Bob Ross was a legend as well. Absolute <laughs> legend. Um, well, my final thoughts is I'm going to go out and buy some hand cream and see if I, <laughs> <laughs> see if I can uh, get around this idea that it's actually stationary. So It's um, a good time of year to add it. So I would. Definitely, definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you, of course, to our listeners. And you can find us on Stationary Freaks UK on Instagram, although we're not often on there, but stationaryfreaks.com. You'll find the newsletter. That's getting a little bit more regular, which is good. And we look forward to speaking to you in the next podcast. With that, that's goodbye from me. And me. Goodbye. And me. Bye-bye.